You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera and everything in between, if you have a piece of hunting gear or a piece of hunting equipment that needs a battery, Interstate Batteries has got you covered. You can go to a local retail store or you can go visit online at interstatebatteries.com. They have thousands of local retail shops all over the U.S., so you can go there as well. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. That's what I call pro talk. When you really don't know the answer, you just make it up. My rut is that I am in a rut. Get the pilot of Red Arrow going. Really a way to skip class. I want to say, hey, those boys right there in the camera. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said on this podcast. Alex Rutley, you're on American Roots Outdoors TV. Hey, this is Brian Tiffany Lukowski from the Crest TV. Hi, I'm Don Higgins. This is Jeff Lindsay. Hey, everybody, this is Mark Drew with Drew Outdoors. Hey, this is Chris. This is Assassin's TV. You're listening to Dave and Skippy on Pro Talk Outdoors. The craziest two I've Hey everybody, welcome to Pro Talk Outdoors. As we kind of do every fall, we went went a little, I don't know, a couple, three weeks without an episode, man, and it's uh, it happens. Number one, I've been super busy just in my personal life. You've been hunting your butt off. That happens off. when you get married. Well, yeah, I, I got married. That was the first thing, and, uh, you know, some honeymoon stuff, and uh, I got a new job over the summer, so, you know, I've been... Doing some things with that as well, and then uh, some of my other college roommates got married, and yeah, f- you know, friends just don't let friends get married during hunting season. Yeah, uh, you know, well, I, I don't know. I you mean, know, and and when he told me, hey man, you know, I wanna, I want you to stand in my wedding, like I stood. in You yours. can't say no, but well, at the no. same time, you're like, man, no, come and on. I've known for months and months and months. He asked me way back in the spring, but here's the deal: uh, when I saw October 12th, I was like. It's the law, right? It's no big deal. You know, that's that's fine. Little did I know that we would have the strangest 2019 weather-wise. 
you know, from really, really wet to really, really hot and dry, EHD hits, and it's the hottest darn September and first week of October ever just for primo conditions to hit the minute I leave town. Yeah, and they did. I mean, and you talk about primo, buddy. Whew. I mean, it was on. I mean, it was on fire. I mean, you had you had a couple different factors. Not only was did you get the the cold front that was cooler than normal temperatures, you know, which was was absolutely key because we had been the first week and a half our cold fronts were getting us down to average temperatures. Yeah, to normal. Yeah, right. and and that's the thing. I mean, you <laughs> It's, it was 25, 30 degrees above normal. We were record-breaking heat. And then all of a sudden you get a little – I think it's so funny. You follow social media. You get the, the people on there like, oh, my God, big cold front coming in. Deer going to move great. Well, it just got down to normal temperatures. You know, I mean, and it's right. like – I didn't want to sound like that guy, but, you know, I was kind of trying to temper my expectations a little bit because sure. – yeah, it's 20 degrees cooler, but it's just normal temperatures. It did help out somewhat, but the second cold front that come through, however, man, it was a it was a humdinger. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm incredibly jealous that I wasn't able to get in the stand. Now, granted, had a great time at, at my buddy's wedding, and I spent a few days up there celebrating he and, and his new wife with all our college friends. But I couldn't help but think every time we stepped outside. Good grief, I bet Dave is just seeing a bunch of deer. I felt guilty. I'll be honest with you. I was sitting there in the stand, and I was like, Man, I could tell you did Sunday morning because really you gave me a play-by-play. I felt bad that I was out there enjoying that, and you weren't. So let, let's break it down. Let's break it down exactly why. First, I guess I should say, I didn't kill anything. Uh, but it you could have. Oh, I could have. Yeah, I definitely could have filled some tags, but, you know, I didn't. I didn't have a – a target buck that I wanted to shoot or anything come in. I didn't even see a shooter. Uh, but part of that's by design. I think the way that we're approaching things on our Kentucky property. Um, yeah, you know, and we've kind of preached the low intrusion, uh, you know, mark your spots, pick your poison kind of thing for the last several years. But we've really, truly adopted it at another level this year. It, yeah, it's really uh, – I feel really, really good about where we're at right now. You know, Indiana, no, I don't because the EHD is hit pretty hard in the area. Um, food plots are – look, it's well known by everybody that, that we're sponsored by Real World Wildlife Products, and they do a fantastic job. So good that our plots are still drawing deer. But, man, if you look at them, they look pretty freaking lousy right well, now. Well, yeah, it's amazing. Something gets a half an inch above – dirt and all of a sudden it's the most palatable thing in the area because it's not just that people's you know your neighbor's food plots they're using some other knockoff brand from a walmart shelf or rural king or anything else uh it's also that the ag in the area is either in horrible shape uh didn't get planted at all or has already been picked which is incredible to see at this point in the year so many of the fields that are just barren clean yeah, it is, you know. So, I mean, just that half inch of growth that comes up out of your real-world plot can make a world of difference. So, uh, you can't mail it home and, and not hunt the food when, when you've got a plot like that. But you have to be cognizant that this year is, is an anomaly if I've ever seen one. And I guess we're probably fortunate from the standpoint of uh, 
we we have diversified somewhat. I mean, we we have some Definitely. different properties. We've got different properties in different counties in Indiana, and then we also have a property in Kentucky, and you know it's like a tale of two worlds. You know because. We're set up for our best season ever in Kentucky. Yeah, it it's probably going to be the worst I've ever had in Indiana, but agreed. I feel like it's going to be the best or potentially the best season ever in Kentucky. You know, and uh, I, I guess that's because you know, low intrusion. I mean, you talked about that a little bit, but we have doubled down on that. We went from having uh, four guys essentially hunting that property uh religiously and and not just the hunting i mean we were in there a lot checking cams moving stands yeah, doing all that stuff but and you know when we were doing it by a group effort sure or if we all go over there we get it done a whole lot faster but we'll that's go, a whole lot of stank we're putting down we leave a, a lot of a <laughs> lot of stank and uh you know really at that point you're diversifying philosophies as well because no two people hunt the same even you and i as similar as we are still have differences in our approach to things so uh, you know, it, it it is. It's not just the hunting itself that's been really tapered down. It's it's that impact in non-hunting situations yeah, as well. It is. And, and, you know, I think me personally, I have, what have I hunted? Four? Five times. I've hunted five times in Kentucky. And you've hunted once. I've hunted once and filmed you once. Yeah. Uh, and, and of those times... Uh, We've been very low impact. I mean, and we've been. We're six weeks into Kentucky season. Yeah, we're by the six way. weeks into the season, and we've yet to hunt stands that we feel like are our go-to. You know, where we're going to actually see bigger deer, where we where we have history of bigger deer being. We've we've been hunting the edges and, and staying out of uh, being very very non-intrusive. Uh, I guess is the way to say it. But uh, but the the set that I had over the weekend, I, I went into a, a spot that that you and I hung. Uh, we talked about it and said we need to put a stand in there. There's a lot of uh, a lot of white oaks that right there are dropping heavily. It's it's mm-hmm. back in the woods a little bit, but it's not really too deep in the woods. Um, I hunted that Saturday afternoon and uh, slipped in there. The moon was right. That's something we want to talk about here in a minute. Also, is moon mm-hmm. I think, but the moon was right. Slipped in there. And I tell you, when I was going in just to be a little bit more incognito, if you will. Uh, I took a turkey diaphragm with me and just really, yeah, went in really slow and it worked out perfectly because we went in really slow and obviously I'm making a little bit of noise, but you know, I just would go through and just let out a few yelps, you know, every 50 yards or so, just little quiet yelps and, uh, just is, took my time slipping in there. Is that something you've done before? I have, I've done it. I haven't done it very much, but I felt like at that spot that it was really crucial. You know, I mean, you know where the spot is. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I really felt like it was crucial because I didn't know where the deer were bedded at. Turns out they were pretty close to me. I mean, they were, when I got in the tree, uh, of course, you know, when you, when, when you're filming like we do, you get everything, all your gear up, you get, you know, your camera arm strapped to the tree, everything, get all that done. I turn around and I already have a few does within 60 yards of me. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. right across the the hill there from Mm -hmm. me. Um, And they feed, you know, they're eating some acorns and they just feed on. And and I had deer movement pretty much nonstop the whole evening. Um, It it was uh, a really good evening to hunt, a lot of good movement. Didn't see a big buck, did have a good deer. You know, you you get late in the the evening Mm -hmm. where you can't really see to shoot. 
can't see the film, but you can tell if it's a big body or not. You can just kind of see right. the silhouette. Had a big one kind of come in on me and spent probably 30 minutes eating acorns just 20 yards from the tree. So I'm pegged. I mean, it gets dark in the woods about 7.40-ish or so, mm-hmm. 8.30 before I got down out of the tree. So, And that's that's nerve-wracking to a certain oh, degree gosh. because, you know, you may no longer hear things, but that doesn't mean that they aren't there. Right. And you're taking a chance whenever you think, okay, I guess I can go ahead and get down. But even what you mentioned a minute ago about how we film, the hardest part of that is either putting it up in the dark or taking it down in the dark. Either way, you're going to make a little bit of noise. Uh, it, it's not like you just lower your bow and you climb down the ladder. It's... It's a process, and clearing the field is uh, <laughs> impossible. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Saturday, or Sunday morning, and you, we talk all the time about how we just don't hunt mornings. We, we just don't do it in, in the first part of October. Right. But here's, here's why I decided to hunt Sunday morning. Number one is it was a full moon. Um, you know, it, it's been – we've had Mark Drury on our podcast, and it's been well documented where he, he – he talks about the moon's effect and how six, seven days prior to the full moon, evening activities generally better, and then the full moon and after, morning activities better. Well, you couple that with the front that we had, and it was the first frost of the year. We actually had a frost that morning. So I decided to go in and hunt the morning. Rising thermals, and with the wind direction that we had, I felt like my best bet was to hunt that stand in the corner by the clover plot. Now, that, that rising thermal kind of carried you over that drop-off. I yes. mean, it's almost like a cliff. I mean, it's yeah. not a cliff, but it's as close as you can get to one. It did. It did. It, it carried me straight up, uh, you know, the the wind straight up on me. So, man, it was it was a phenomenal sit. Um, and honestly, I, I didn't time it right, you know. I mean, I'm driving, you know, 40, 45 minutes to get over there, and I'm thinking, ah, you know, that first sit of the, of the morning – Something always what goes time's wrong. It, what time's it getting daylight now? <laughs> you know, it's one of those things when I'm I'm up working, I don't really pay that much attention to it. So I'm thinking, well, if I get in and set up by seven ten, seven fifteen, I'm probably good. Man, I'm driving still. You know, it's always late. I'm mm-hmm. always running late. I'm driving over to the property, and uh, I'm still ten miles away, and it's starting to break daylight. And I'm thinking, oh shit, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna screw this up. But mm-hmm. turned out it worked out real well. I slipped in quietly again. Use the turkey diaphragm a little bit as I was making a little bit of noise getting up in the tree. And again, as soon as I get set up, I've got deer walking by me. Mm. You know, and it's funny you mentioned that. We're really just a week and a half, two weeks away from religiously jumping into hunting mornings. I mean, for me, after Halloween, I'll be every you know morning that I can be out, I'm probably yeah. going to be out. I mean, less conditions are terrible. But uh, I discovered last year, and again, you know, I've not been at this too many years. This is season number five coming up, that when I'm going into a place that's down and dirty, as I like to call it. Getting down and dirty. Back into the thick stuff where you and I have not gone in Kentucky yet. I honestly like to wait until light breaks. I feel like I make less noise, so there's something to that. Now, the spot you were going to that wasn't as big a concern, it's easy in, easy out. Right. But, uh, you know, for folks that are religious about getting into a spot, you know, an hour before daylight, it's it's worth trying. If you can if you can 
get an observation set in somewhere and, and just want to see what you think about it, I swear I think I make 75% less noise that way. You know, that, that brings up a good point because... And how many that, do you really see right at daybreak? Well, not very many, and here's the thing. That's the old school mentality, <clears throat> that you have to be in there and set up before daylight. That's the way I was brought up hunting. That's the way I did it from day one, and I did it for, you know... And I did up until last year, yeah. and I realized, you know what? It, it, it does... It does make a few benefits. I mean, because you can be quieter. Uh, you can actually kind of see what's going on, take your time. And then if you bump a deer, you know you did. I mean, you, you can see them usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I mean, to me, there's no worse feeling than walking through with your, your flashlight and you just hear deer blowing and running in all directions. You're like, man, my hunt's probably screwed for the day. And it may very well be. You may mm-hmm. have screwed it up. That flashlight is visible a whole lot farther off Absolutely. Than, than you just slipping in after daylight, in my opinion. No, I, I agree 100%. You know, I mean, and you're wearing camouflage. You're moving slow and deliberate. I mean, your your senses are on high alert. You're going to know, usually, if you probably need to take it a little easy, that flashlight's, you know, however many thousand lumens at all times. Right. You know, and, uh, yeah, I know they, they do the red lights, and I have a headlamp that's red. Uh, I only use it in the most severe of circumstances, and I keep the finger on it. When I do, okay, the light's on, bam, got through what I needed, it's back off kind of thing. But, uh, I mean, those those all-day sits are another consideration for coming in a little bit into light. You know, let's say, for example, you're a guy that wants to get there an hour early. So you're up and you're set up in the stand an hour before daylight. Your comfort level is significantly less than the guy that comes in when it's 2 or 3 degrees warmer. It may not sound like much. And he comes in during daylight, doesn't make as much noise, and he's got an hour and 15 minutes less in the stand than what you do. Sometimes an hour and 15 minutes is the difference in catching that midday cruiser or catching lunch. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Um, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> that For anybody that's that's done this, and I know you, anybody that's hunted in the mornings and got in before daylight knows this, that like thirty minutes that you're waiting for daylight, it lasts forever. I lasts mean, it, forever. it takes like it feels like three hours time. You know, now, so f- mentally that's fatiguing. You know, it is. It is. Now, granted, I, I've mentioned this to you before. My favorite hunts all season are morning hunts. To me, there's some sort of magic to coming in when it's completely dark, getting set up, and watching the sunrise. There is absolutely some magic to that. But what I'm trying to say, I guess, is know when to hold them on that and know when to fold them because I think there's places that you're going to sit up that it's not as appropriate as another. But 100% it is. It's fatigue. And and just take last year, for example, November 8th, biggest buck of my life. I shot him right at 11 o'clock. Yep. I mean, if I had been there, you know, an extra hour, hour and a half, maybe I would have considered getting down at that belly 10, starts 10, growling, 10, man. 10.30, 10.45. Lunch sounds good. Think, man, know? I could catch 11 o'clock <laughs> lunch up here in town and or at the gas station or whatever. Man, it makes a difference. And, and I'm a believer as well over the last three seasons uh, that midday movement is <laughs> pretty key. It's pretty key. For you bucks, know, anyway. Yeah, so I've been seeing a lot of stuff on social media, and a lot of guys are asking questions about uh, morning hunts this time of year and – you know, why do it? Why not? <clears throat> you know, so, I mean, I think we talked about a lot of reasons why you don't. I mean, you blow deer out, you know, if, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're not careful. And you can ruin some spots before they even get good. 
I mean, that's why we've stayed away from uh, from our better spots in Kentucky. And, and just to kind of compare contrast that for folks that's listening to this, Sunday morning when I hunted, I saw 19 deer. Which is absolutely awesome. You know, take that back just a year, hunting that same stand. Lucky to see when one. We, when we, give, we, we put all that pressure on those deer, you may see a couple, you know, but you're definitely not seeing anywhere near that. It, it's not even close. And, I mean, we it, it, obviously we didn't harvest a tremendous amount over there last year, but it can't just be that. Right. You know, it, there's another factor at play there. You don't jump from one or two to something like that. Obviously, conditions matter, but we hunted good conditions last year, too. I think it's 100% related to the pressure. Yeah, we just we laid off of it, and, and that's that's a huge benefit. So I, I really I can't stress this enough. Guys ask me all the time, like, well, why don't you hunt mornings? You know, I, I almost feel snobbish when people, you know, when I mention that I don't hunt mornings and people ask why. Why aren't you going in there? It's October 1st. It's opening day. Why aren't you hunting in the morning? It's the worst morning you're I, going You know, there. I just, I really, I, I can't stress enough. And this is not just Dave Barrett's observations. This is the observations of the Mark Drury's, the Don Higgins, the Bill Winkies. You know, you can go on and on about the big buck serial killers that we've had on our show. The Lekoskis. Yeah, yeah. Lekoskis. You just don't do it. It's just Until it's time. It. Until it's time. And when time. it's time, it's time. And you move in there, you know. But uh, there's just so many factors. Now, there are occasions, just like what we had last weekend, where you have the full moon in effect and you have a big weather change, you know, a big temperature drop, a front comes through, then that's, hey, it's go time. Move in there and hunt a morning. I hunted that morning. I haven't been back over there again. I'm not going to hunt anything good. I did go out this morning in Indiana and try to kill a turkey. That was a bad deal. But um, I shouldn't say a bad deal. I saw some turkeys. I didn't shoot one, though. But, uh, you know, you just <laughs> – I can't stress enough, don't pressure your areas too much. Let it develop. Mm-hmm. But, hey, it's time now. I mean, by the time this that folks are listening to this podcast, it's, it's going to be it's gonna be go time. Because Halloween is kind of our rule of thumb. You know, it, that's that's when you can start paying attention to conditions and maybe consider morning hunts as a, as a good, viable option. I mean, I, I anticipate, I think the way the uh, calendar falls this year, the last weekend of October is somewhere around like the 28th or 29th. I think something. No, that no. Halloween's on the thirty first, or on the Thursday. <laughs> we excuse know me. Halloween's it's on always the 31st, on the thirty first. Halloween's on a Thursday. I think so. Uh, it is. It is on Thursday. The 31st, okay. So, so. I, I have to admit, I will most likely be up a tree in the morning on November the second. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the first Saturday in November, right there for sure. You know, I um, th- another thing that uh, I've been getting some questions on. Um, that I feel like we should address, and that's the wind and thermals, you know, and and how critical it is to actually pay attention to those thermals. You know, you and I had had a issue with Carol over there in Kentucky. She was the worst. She she was a big nanny doe, and she would uh, it wouldn't matter. We we we'd had the church stand that we talk about, and that was our safe haven. You know, if the wind if the winds were were out of the west, we could hunt the church stand. It didn't. We didn't even hardly get into our property much. It didn't didn't affect anything we weren't stomping around but carol would show up 150 yards away where the wind wasn't blowing every evening and just blow and blow and blow cause a ruckus and and we were like how in the heck is she even winding us but it was the thermals you know we had those falling thermals in the evening and it just was kind of going right downhill to her and she was smart she used those thermals to her advantage 
until I took her out. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, you uh, know, that very well could end up being a very valuable move this year because we've got an absolute giant of a deer that we know is going to be 160-plus. And, and he's is, in that area. That's that is where in he, that area. That is where he lives. Carol is one of the ladies he chases every year, and we know it. Yep. So, I mean, she's not going to pick us off now. We know she's out right. of the way. She's not picking us off. Um, but, you know, those thermals do fall in the evening. So you got to pay attention to that. I mean, it, you can't just go by wind direction at all uh, or alone. Um, and especially when you get these mild days, you know, guys are, you know, it's, what is it, 75 degrees out right now? Yeah. It's pretty warm right now. And, yeah. you know, I had, you know, seen on social media all these guys around our area heading to the woods, heading to the woods, heading to the woods. I get that if you don't have very much time to hunt. But if you can avoid hunting today, a day like today, sit it out. I mean, you're not going to do anything but damage your area. Because I I can tell you, if the wind's supposed to be out of the southwest right now, you can go sit in that tree, and in 30 minutes, that wind will go every different direction on you. It'll Mm -hmm. go out of the east. It'll go out of the north. It'll come out of the south. It'll go southeast, northwest, and then it'll come back southwest. And that scent is blowing everywhere, and it's staying there. Well, and take it from a guy that that is itching as bad as I am. I've only been twice this year. I mean, have you ever known me in the years you've known me to be doing this to have only gone twice? No, you're 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 very disciplined this year and, and doing a fantastic job, and and it's going to pay off. It is absolutely going to pay hope. off. I was texting uh, earlier. Wyatt was texting me somewhat, and and he was talking about you know just asking how was things going, what were we seeing. And I told him, you know, about what what we were doing in Kentucky. And he's like, man, he said, I got a feeling you guys are primed over there. You know, it, it sounds like you guys are setting it up well. And and staying away has been definitely the key. Uh, 100%. We are going in tomorrow. We're hunting the same set that you hunted on Sunday morning. Uh, West-northwest wind. That will blow us out into the way that we come in. Right. So I feel pretty good about that. Uh, I am a little concerned about a falling thermal. With that in mind, uh, it is a doe mission. This is an observation sit per se. Um, big buck comes by, obviously, I'm going to pull well, yeah. pull the string back. Well, yeah. But I don't expect that. Not in that spot, not at this time of year. But conditions tomorrow are really good. Yeah, I don't think we'll be sitting too long before you'll have opportunity. Well, and, and that's the deal. It's going to be the first mature doe, 30 yards or less, is uh, she's going to have a bad day. Yeah. Um, and I, it's time to fill the freezer. Meat's getting low. Uh, and our doe population, you mentioned earlier you saw 19 deer. I think, what, 15? 15 were does. Were, were does. Yeah. Uh, that's an, a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. Uh, in my opinion, the buck-to-doe ratio, obviously you're not seeing the mature bucks. So right. there's there's more bucks there than what you saw for Absolutely, sure. Absolutely, yeah. But to me, that tells me that the ratio may not be quite right, and I think we've yeah, got we, does to spare. We probably are, in my guesstimation, are probably around a four to one right now over there, maybe five to one, which is like not that. ideal. I mean, you kind of no. want two to one, two and a half to one from everything I've ever read and right. understood. Yeah, and, and that's just a, that's just a strict guesstimate, but uh, but you know, yeah, we do have the falling thermals in the evening, but. Uh, again, it's it's going to be going out right where we come in at. And I, quite honestly, I think that uh, the nature of that property anyway, because it gets some traffic, you know, with uh, it's it's got an easement through it to, right. some, to a couple other properties. You get some traffic through there. So I think we get away with a little bit more there in that spot than what we probably would if we were back in the woods well, a little bit. Well, and the, the beauty of that is let's say that 
Lady Luck strikes on our side, and I get an opportunity, and I make a good shot at. I'm not kidding. I think it could happen at 5:30 in the afternoon. Absolutely. 5:45. You know, if it's a good shot, we're down by. 6.20, 6.25, 6.30, and we've got a truck that we pull in the easement to prevent any other movement coming in. So it's yep. not just, you know, booger and deer on the way in or the way out. It's while you extract a doe that you've harvested, all that, you know, potential activity that is going to occur all around you. Well, you know, a vehicle running is going to prevent that, and that's really unique to that spot because you can literally get on top of that spot with a vehicle. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it really has its benefits. I mean, I'd Sometimes it's got its negatives, like if you're sitting up there hunting and somebody from the neighbor's property decides to go walking. Which on my only <laughs> only time I've held the bow in a stand all year, that happened to me. So Yeah, you, you wouldn't think that you'd have that out of uh, um, those people. <laughs> no, you sure wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, that was a bad deal there. But um, So... Kentucky, we talked about it pretty extensively. We're set up well over there, I think, for success. Indiana. Now, we've talked about the haves. Let's talk about the have-nots a little bit. Um, More of those than the haves. Yeah. I mean, and, and really a lot of guys listen to this are they're just have-nots. I mean, they just – they're stuck with – I saw a guy today on Facebook talking about how how many deer they had found dead on his property and that his neighbors had found. And he's like, I'm not hunting this year. You know, or you know, I'm not hunting this this farm. I'm gonna go somewhere else. I gotta find mm-hmm. somewhere to hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, let's spitball some ideas for guys like that. What What do you do if that's your only option to hunt? I mean, you still want to go. You know, there's still that chance that you could have a mature buck cruise through. Uh, you know, you know here in a couple and weeks. But you and I haven't talked about this subject. Surprisingly, yeah. most of the time yeah, we've already talked about things. Um, not because we just like to hash out the episode, but because we're excited. So asking me before hearing what you think, my gut feeling would say uh, disregard, in, unless you know you have a like a real-world wildlife type or an incredibly great ag resource, ignore your field edges and food edges because I think it's a waste of your time. Obviously, the does are gonna gonna visit there, and if that's what you want to harvest, then go for it. But if you're listening to this podcast, I highly doubt you're just a doe hunter. Uh, so I, if you're chasing a mature buck, he is not going to go on that, that field edge any more than he has to. And more often than not, and in my experience, I've seen it before, he's going to stay in some type of cover or something advantageous wind-wise, at the very minimum sight-wise, to see what it is that could potentially be entering estrus. So if you're looking for a mature buck, you're hunting funnels, and you're hunting your best ones. If you've got six years of experience on a piece of property, personally, I'm concentrating any of my effort between November 1st and Thanksgiving in the same damn rut funnel. Because what other option do you have? Unless you've got three or four of them, then you're probably not a have-not. You're you're exactly right. Myself, I'm a have-not on my farm. You know where I'm going to sit anytime I sit in Indiana? I'm sitting in the same darn stand this year because that's the only place I know mature bucks will cruise. That's interesting that you bring that up. And and I'm glad you did because I've kind of had the same thought process a little bit. I know, I shouldn't say I know, I feel very confident in saying that on my Indiana properties, I do not have any bucks living on me at all i have zero i have on on one of my properties i have a year and a half old buck that's a three-pointer it's the only one i've had on camera since august i found one rub one rub no scrapes 
on the other property, no rubs, no scrapes, no buck pictures. It's, I mean, both properties have Sad. a group of does. Both properties have a group of does. I would say six to eight does living on each property. Best guess. Now, if you don't have those bucks there, you don't have to worry about blowing them out. So good point. You're not you're not looking at things the same way as you would if you know that that buck's living there. Absolutely not. You no. can go in and you can. I won't say overhunt because it sounds like you're doing it too much. You can hunt the same funnel multiple times if you're confident that that is the funnel that a buck is going to take when he's looking for those does. Because at that point, he's less cognizant of scent and other intrusion. He's going with just basic safety instincts of going in an interior funnel or some type of funnel. And, and, you, and you do away with that, this is his bedroom mentality. This is his his uh, restaurant mentality, so Wasting your time to hunt the better restaurant, better because, the kitchen. Because he, he basically is he's not living there. I mean, that's not his home farm. He's just coming through to take care of the ladies, you know. Right. So he's hunt the going, hallway. He's going point A to point B, you know, exactly. Hunt the hallway, and you can overhunt it because he's only going to come through here a couple times. You want to be there when he's there. Absolutely. You, know? you absolutely want to take advantage of that. I did, um, on, on one of my properties, I've got, and thankfully the, the, the two rains that we had, we had uh, like a two-tenths of an inch a week and a half ago, and we had – uh, three quarters of an inch, what, four or five days ago now, something like that? Mm, Friday, yeah. Friday, yeah. That rain has done, worked miracles on the Deadly Dozen plot that oh, I have sure. on one of the properties. Mm-hmm. So I actually went through, um, and I know that I don't have a bucks there right now, so I went through and I made them a nice path to go from point A to point B but I happen to have my stand sitting right between point A and point B, and it goes right through that food plot. It's the same path I've seen bucks take year after year after year, but it was grown up on one one edge really bad, and I felt like that that may inhibit a buck from wanting to walk that way. I mm-hmm. thought they may skirt and go into the woods a little thicker, so I did clear that path, and it just comes right by my stand. So I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm confident that any buck that does come through there or, you know, that that works that property will come by my stand. It's just a matter of whether I'm there or not. Right, and there's no substitute for experience and, and past data. Uh, obviously, it's, I mean, it's just like you said, you've, you've got to hunt your high-odd spots this year because everything is such low odds. And then the other thing you can take into consideration in our part of the state in southern Indiana is the EHD and, and the loss of herd herd numbers. Now, mm-hmm. I, I don't know the ratio or the science behind whether more bucks or more does die because of EHD. It could be random or there could be a pattern. I have no idea. Can't speak to it. But I can tell you this. I know there's less of both. And when there's less of both, there's going to be more movement itself because the bucks that did survive, they're going to have to travel further and more often to find those does that are about to enter estrus or already in it. So that just increases my inkling to want to stick to a funnel and stay the heck away from the food. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very good point. Now, I will say this. If, if I have, I am going to be fortunate enough to have a good food source. If you have that food source and you have the does visiting that regularly, take advantage of that. I will say that. But 
what you're speaking to is what you most can, people don't have is the food source. Exactly. That's what we were talking about, the have-nots. Right. Now, now well, we can spend a minute on the haves. Let's say you do have that food source. I would change my advice just a little bit, but not completely. If you've got a food source, I'm still not sitting that field edge on top of the food source because that buck isn't just going to walk right out in the open right. for no reason. He's going to skirt get a smell, and then he's going to figure out a calculated approach. He, I mean, that that's what they do. Figure out the hallway amongst that calculated approach. I would still consider that taking advantage of your food source because you know there's going to be a concentrated area of does. So if you're in the halves and you've got that food, be cognizant of it, but stay close to that funnel because he's going to loop through that funnel and, and go toward that, that food source. And, and you can take a, a, a you know, a good spot the size of a you know half acre and you can make it a great spot the size of a you know an eighth of an acre and i think that can make the difference of whether it's in range or not in range if you're using archery equipment let me ask you this question i don't think i've ever really asked this question of you but and and there's no right or wrong answer to this i'm just curious when you look at a piece of property and you see what do you look for whenever you're looking for what you feel like a buck will use as a rut funnel? What What is it that, that kind of speaks to you when you see something? It depends on what state I'm looking at. And I know that's probably a political cop-out no, answer. No, go ahead. I mean, you kind of break it down. Okay, so if it's Kentucky, I'm looking at topography because I feel like, uh, especially the area we're in, that topography plays a bigger difference in how a buck may travel even than the uh, foliage that may be there or the thickness of the habitat itself. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, obviously saddles and things make deer move a certain way. Ridges will cause a deer to move a certain way. So will bodies of water. So in Kentucky, uh, topography is, is a big indicator. Now in Indiana, there's not nearly as much topography to pick from. So when, when you look at our southern Indiana area, and, and it's pretty flat for the most part, you've got some... But in comparison to where we hunt in Kentucky, it's night and day. Right. I look more towards the type of cover that's there. So if you've got 50 acres that is flat as a pancake, and that's the only 50 acres you can hunt, for me, a pinch point is going to be more or less an area where two thick pieces of cover are near each other, and there's a thinner area that's easier for him to travel. Or if you've got a stream or a creek, I'm going to skirt that because i mean he's he's not going to walk through it if he doesn't have to he's going to walk along it until he needs to cross it so for me right. it, it just depends on what state i'm looking at that's that's really good yeah I, I'm, I'm just interested in your your thoughts on that and i i, w I would agree with that 100 percent um i've always just kind of used the approach of trying to put myself in that deer's mind you know like if mm -hmm. if i'm out here looking for it you know, if I'm looking and I want to get from point A to point B, how am I going to go? Sure. You know, I mean, and if you use that, that thought process, you're exactly right. I think that the topography is, is key and how they're going to use those hills, those saddles and work their way around. And, and, and look, folks, you just got to use that to your advantage and keep it in mind, wind direction and thermals. I mean, I know that sounds simple, but it, it's it's not a simple process, I guess. But no, not it, at all. It sounds it's, simple, but it's it's not as easy as it sounds. But I mean, that's that's it in a gist. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and I guess you know the most important thing of all is it, you can't kill a mature buck if you don't have any. So if yeah. if you know where one is, especially this year in Indiana, 
hunt there. But even if your state's doing great, there's no EHD, there's no any kind of disease going on, be smart about it. You, I mean, if you're wanting to shoot a mature buck, pick your right spots to go after where you think that mature buck is going to be. Yeah, and it, by gosh, people, if you've got a big deer on your property right now, be super careful. Don't blow him out of there. I mean, or maybe I should say, go ahead and blow him out of there. He might come to my farm. But <laughs> I mean, if you've you only know, got one good-looking girl in the gym class, you're sure not going to be mean to her, you know? No, no, don't push her around. Don't get her out of there. But my gosh, man, it's uh, – I feel for the guys in Indiana that that's their only option right now. I mean, I – You know, one thing we didn't mention um, – you know, there's reserved hunts. If you haven't applied for a reserved hunt, it's too late in Indiana. However, you can show up. You can show up and be an extra because there's going to be guys that don't go. And normally, I'm a big advocate of the reserved hunt. I'm not going this year. I, I did get drawn. I'm not going to say where or when. I did get drawn. I'm 90% sure that unless magic happens for me in Kentucky between now and then, I'm not going because I know what we have over there. And the date that I was drawn, it's was, kind of hard to to go somewhere else. You on can't that go yeah. somewhere that you know nothing about. Where I mean, it's just a crapshoot. However, I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys like that that no, have target bucks or have target areas, and they're not going to show up. And if you've got absolutely nothing, then you need to go and show up to some of these places. You know, these wildlife refuges or or conservation areas. Uh, yeah, I mean, essentially, I mean, we've got... open hunt it. Enjoy yeah, your time. We've got a, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of those areas close to us. you got, you know, Camp Atterbury. Uh, Big Oaks. Big Oaks. Those are those are a couple areas right there where you're almost guaranteed to get in. If you show up for the no-show drawing, you're mm-hmm. going to get in somewhere to hunt. I mean, you can literally hunt every Saturday and Sunday from now until December. Yep. You know, and... Um, and, and you know, the harvest, uh, you know, the quota is such that you can actually go in there and you can kill a deer every day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't I mean, know if the... they've got them in there to spare, but, you know, legally that's what you can harvest. So if you if you don't have anywhere to hunt, you know, hunt public or go in there for those draw hunts. Yeah. You know, I mean, be cognizant of other hunters and, and pay attention to that kind of thing. Uh, I think those places are really – I've not heard of many accidents over the coming years, but it's definitely a lot higher risk than what it is on a private yeah, piece you, of property. Yeah, you can see something going bad so, there if you're not so careful. So be smart, you know, be yeah. smart. You're you're going to be hunting around a lot of folks from a lot of different, you know, areas and, and beliefs levels. and experiences. Yeah. Yes, it's it's a crapshoot. It's, it's interesting. And, you know, I think part of me is going to miss going over there this year because I've actually gone every year almost since I've well, started hunting. Well, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, Maybe you'll stick something... Before then, maybe you'll have your tag filled and yeah. you just want to show up and go. Who and knows? as crazy as it sounds, I, I, don't get me wrong. I hope we see a big buck tomorrow and I can I can shoot him. But man, I'm sure exci- cheat you out of the experience. I'm sure <laughs> excited about the rut in Kentucky. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, obviously, we'll be taking turns filming and shooting, and then sp- obviously, I'm sure we'll spread out and go solo at some point too. But uh, I, the rut in Kentucky has me more excited than any rut ever has before. We've we've got a few stands hung that um, you know we didn't have hung last year. Uh, we've never hunted those areas really, and uh, we've got the intel from previous years that says, "Hey, these big deer that we know are alive will be there." And uh, we've legitimately got three deer that would be personal best for either one of us. Yeah, uh, all three of those would be personal best. For me, I, th- yeah, I think one of them would be me. borderline yeah. for you. But, uh, I mean, that's, you know, we've got a couple that could be knocking. One of them we know is a booner. Yeah. 
let's just come out yeah. right out and say it. we've got one booner. We've got one that's going to be 160 plus. Yep. And we've got another that's probably near 150 or higher. Yeah, we've got some uh, we got some good target deer over there, and it's just a matter of hey, can we figure out how to get on them? I think we have already. They just I, don't know it yet. It's it's just a waiting <laughs> game, and uh, you know I've said this personally, and I'll say it on the podcast now. I think whenever the clock strikes November, when we go in together, we both need to have the bow because I really think a lot of stuff could happen over there in a really short amount of time. It really could. It really could. Cameraman uh, needs to have a bow because that's that's happened in Kentucky before to open the season. Yeah, it, it sure has. And uh, the type of spots that we're going to be hunting, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility to have uh, have a couple of really good shooters come by in a short period of time. No, and that's the other thing. If you're hunting with your buddy, keep this in mind. Uh, and hopefully you already practice this. Your buddy shoots one at 830 in the morning. Oh, my gosh, heck, yeah, let's high five, get excited. I wouldn't go in there and haul him out just yet because yeah. there's three, four hours of intense mid and late morning movement that that other deer doesn't know his buddy's down over here. He's still going to cruise on through. Let's wait till <laughs> yeah. you know noon, one o'clock to pull these deer out because once you go in there with a truck, four wheeler, or wagon, or whatever it is you do, it's probably you, over you, for the you've day. You've essentially blown that deer or that spot out for that day, and maybe for the next few days and. That may be all it takes. Yeah, could have ruined so, a prime spot. So. As hard as it's going to be, I think you, hopefully you and I have to practice that uh, at some point this year. One well, that'd of us be nice. is, is going to have to sit up there and just take the camera and, and look forward to when he gets to get down and get after his harvest. But Boy, that'll be tough, though, I'll tell you. Yeah. It'll be tough. <laughs> you want to get, your hand, get down and put your hands on him, for sure. Yeah. For sure. But, man, that's that's all I've got. How about you? You got anything else we need to discuss today on a no-pro episode? No, man. Uh, I really just – guys, uh, it, it's go time now. I mean, We're uh, ready. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the season's a little kinder to us going forward than it has been in the, in the rearview mirror. But Extended forecast looks good. It, it does. Um, it took a long time to get right, but I think it's starting to get right finally. And, um, you know, everybody uh, – be safe out there, and, and I, I wish everybody the best of luck. You know, uh, could, could be good things ahead for all of us. Get yourself some good base layers. You'll sit longer. Yeah, that's a fact. Till next time, guys, hook them or hunt them. Pro Talk Outdoors. Well, later, guys. Later, guys.